This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and Three, it's our 100th episode. We're breaking the mold to kick off our mini-series on global trade. Vegetable, fruits, grains, and cooking technique pass from one region to another. And that's interesting that that region transformed that ingredient into their own specialties. There was a time where black pepper was a luxury. And we know that because people were willing to invest huge amounts of money to go to the Spice Islands in order to get uh, pepper. <laughs> you know, stuff we take for granted now. You know, you go into a restaurant and it's free. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren, and today on the show, Diane Stemple, our CTC co-host and resident book reviewer, is going to interview Joe Berkowitz, author of three books and an opinion columnist at Fast Company, whose writing has appeared in Rolling Stone, Salon, Vulture, and Cosmopolitan. So he's, he's written a lot of cool stuff. Um, Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Totally. Diane and I are very stoked to have you here. Um, she has read your book, so I am going to – I have also read your book. I don't want to say I didn't read your book. I read your book. <laughs> um, and I am going to let Diane uh, ask you the questions, but I also want to tell our listeners the name of Joe's book is a very nice long title called American Cheese, An Indulgent Odyssey Through the Artisan Cheese World. Um, Diane, hit him with the first tough question. Um, I, I can't wait to hear this. Oh, so Joe Berkowitz – I. I can't believe I have ever read a, a cheese book by a non-cheese person. That was part of my pitch for the book. <laughs> well, now, when did you get into cheese? Well, I mean, I've always been like a big cheese boy. Uh, when I was a little oh. kid, I used to make like triple-decker grilled cheese sandwiches and stuff, but that probably had oh. more to do with my uh, – debilitating weight problem than it did to do with uh, a, a love of cheese. And oh. um, yeah, uh, but I guess I got into it more seriously when I went to Murray's just on kind of a lark for a Valentine's Day dinner uh, oh. that uh, occurs in the introduction to the book. Um, uh -huh. We just, yeah, kind of went just uh, for the heck of it, uh, we've been to every vegetarian restaurant in New York that uh, that typed up and, you know, was kind of running out of uh, fun Valentine's Day dinnery activities to do. So, yeah, we went to a, uh, a cheese tasting on Valentine's Day 2018, and I was just kind of blown away for a bunch of reasons. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Now, of course, I've read the book, so I read that, but I wanted you to tell the story. <laughs> yeah. So um, now where, so in your short cheese career, so you started wanting to write this book right away? Had you, had you already identified that you wanted to write the book before you went to Murray's? 
Oh, I, I had not. I was, you know, I, I'd written, uh, my previous book was, um, it's called Away With Words. And oh. I embedded with a group of uh, pun competition champions. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a slightly more niche topic than cheese, but yeah, uh, there's there. Uh, but but uh, first relatable, of all, relatable. Oh yeah, like cheesiness. Yeah, um, uh, this is a bit uh, neither here nor there. But there's a uh, deleted section of, that didn't make the cut of the of American cheese where I talked about the history of the word cheesy as an expression and like how it came to be associated with, you know, things that are of bad taste rather than, you know, cheese, which is of good taste, which is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> but uh, The bonus content. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It, we had to get rid of it. It just didn't quite fit in. But, you know, uh, I, I got to learn it. So that was good. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, cheesy puns. Uh, I wrote a book about those and um, I was just kind of, you know, open to the world uh, looking for, you know, what my next subject was going to be. And when I went and had that first meal, you know, the tasting at, at Murray's, uh, the way they were describing it, the way they kept saying over and over that cheese is a living food and it changes every month. Uh, the next, you'll have it one year and it'll taste so different than it did the previous year. It sounded so interesting to me. And the moment I started thinking about it in terms of, like, could this possibly be a book subject is I got this image in my head of a couple uh, dairy men, I guess, or just people who worked at a creamery. I didn't know the jobs back then, but I, I just thought of people uh, admiring their handiwork, like having um, what I guess I now know to be an R&D tasting. But, you know, um, I didn't have a name for it back. Just people just tasting some cheese and being like, oh, wow, this is a particularly you know, potent batch. Um, mm -hmm. And that interested me so much. Just um, the fact that that all these jobs existed in order to get the cheese to taste as amazing as it did. And I just hadn't thought about them before. And the uh -huh. variability that your job would just be so different from day to day. This food would be so different from day to day. That interested me so much. And I decided to find out everything I could about it. Okay. So now, um, one of your quotes in the book is, once you know about knee-buckling cheese, you can't unknow it. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that sort of sums up what you're saying. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, once you open Pandora's pantry, I think I also say <laughs> you can't uh, undo it or something like that. But yeah, it's true. Um, I, I, I'm sure I come off a bit like a cheese snob now. Um, yes. Although yes. I, you know, I'll definitely still eat grocery store cheese. I'll still, you know, I'll have, I'll have some some Tillamook and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have some some Trader Joe's uh, shredded pepper jack. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, there are. Certain choices I think I would have automatically made before that now I have a lot more consideration over. And I just can't uh -huh. not know yes. Yes. the things that I know about cheese off. now. Now, I love that you mentioned all the goat ladies in the book. They, they are Laura Chanel, Mary Keene in Los Angeles or in, in uh, 
in well, Tell- no, she's she's yeah. cool. Um, Lainey Fonlier, uh, Allison Hooper in Vermont, and Judy Shad in Indiana. I love that you mentioned them. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, it's a really fascinating history, and there, you know, you could do a whole book on just them and their impact on the industry. You're and, right. Uh, I- I'm waiting for the movie to come out. Personally, just, <laughs> just, kidding. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, everyone. Yeah, um, I didn't get a chance to get. Um, you know, there's uh, the book is informed by quotes from it, but I did whole interviews. With um, with Lainey and with Allison and I think uh, I think Mary as well um, and so yeah I got to uh, to know their stories and it, it is really fascinating and I, I think uh, more people should know about it and know to appreciate you know their contribution uh, yeah for and sure. they were trendsetters absolutely yeah yeah yeah. Um, now, how did you introduce yourself to cheese people when you started your research? Well, uh, you know, I've this is my second book. Of, I've done three, but this is the second where I kind of like uh, immerse myself in a in subculture. A yeah. And it is a little bit awkward to do, you know, because I'm just some guy they don't know me. They can Google me and they can find a lot of things they don't agree with. I've written a lot of things, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to literally an opinion columnist. So, uh, I get, I get, my job is putting spicy takes out into the world. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it's people are right to not necessarily agree me with open arms and trust me right away. But mm-hmm. I think, um, I just, first reached out to well first I reached out within Murray's and uh, found a couple people to talk to that way and eventually I got to um, Andy I, I never remember if it's Keeler or Keller for, of uh, Jasper Hills Keeler, Keeler okay yeah uh, Andy and Mateo I think I just I talked to Andy at first I met Mateo a bunch of times later on at events but yeah I had a long conversation with Andy he gave me a bunch of names. I uh, early on Adam Moskowitz. I mean, he was actually a huge help throughout the entire book, I should say. But yeah, he was one of the first people I talked to. He gave me a bunch of names, and uh, yeah, you just so you, you meet were one sent person. On your way. You were sent yeah. on your way. Yeah, um, and so you meet one person. They introduce you to other people. Uh, oh, I should say I listened to Cutting the Curd a lot. I got so many ideas <laughs> about who to reach out to from this podcast. I would listen to it all the time. I would listen at the gym and it was just constantly jotting down notes in my phone like, oh, OK, I got to talk to that guy for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, so that was a big help. And also, I should just say that, you know, and it, uh, despite my warning about how hard it is to get people to trust you sometimes, uh, the cheese community is so open and so nice and welcoming. So I was treated really well everywhere I went. I think I had maybe two people the entire time say that they just would prefer not to be interviewed or be involved in the book. Everybody else, I mean, you know, like hundreds of people were uh, very gracious with their time and with uh, vouching for me and, and that kind of, and, and uh, giving me tours 
with uh, just giving me like their time. We do like to talk about cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I learned for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, so you know, do you know, this is a, a pesty thing, a pesty question. Do you know that vegetarians don't eat rennet all the time? That vegetarians don't eat rennet. Um, because it's from the, it's from a, a calf's stomach. That's, that's true. That is like a, a, yeah, that is the truth. Sometimes vegetarians don't go for it. Um, but what, did that come up in the book, Diane? What was, uh, what was the context there? I'm just curious. Well, he's a vegetarian. Oh, I missed that. I missed that point. There, there we go. There was in the chapter where I go on the California cheese trail, yeah. I had kind of a vegetarian existential crisis. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> this is a good one then. I like it. <laughs> well, because, you know, I just hadn't really, I had been a vegetarian who eats cheese and was still, you know, just patting myself on the back as ever as just, you know, a person who was kind uh, to animal, uh, not to get too, you know, shamey about yeah, people. Yeah. I, I, I do not begrudge anyone their meat, whatever. But uh, anyway, I, <laughs> when I went and all of a sudden visited a bunch of farms, I was visiting these farms that they take care of their cows so well. And I got to see them just just. I mean, in the book, I talk about, you know, like wishing I had uh, the kind of fitness regimen that these cows do. Like a, a nutritionist comes and looks at their meal to make sure that they're getting all the right nutrients and things like that. And so they're just treated so well. But at the same time, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about how you get the rennet. I sort of assumed like, oh, yeah, maybe there's like a syringe. They like, you know, withdraw some <laughs> rennet. Right. But like, no, you know, the baby calf gets slaughtered and that's just... And all that's what happens to all the boy cows. And so, uh, oh, and I went to one farm to take a tour and to meet with the, the, the people who were running it. And as soon as I arrived, there was just this wailing, just wah. Oh, no. Wah. And they were wailing, oh, like, even though it's interspecies, I, I didn't need to be like to have Dr. Doolittle powers to, to know that they were in pain and they were just grieving. And mm -hmm. uh, the person I was meeting, she came over and she was like, I'm sorry about the noise. They're uh, a little sad right now. We just took their babies away. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And it's just, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I've made peace with it. I understand that we, it, this needs to happen in order for the cheese industry to work. Mm -hmm. And there will always be a demand for meat. And I, I, so I get it. Uh, but I needed to face it and I never had, and I would recommend that to all vegetarians, you know, mm -hmm. to, if you enjoy cheese, then you probably should take a minute and think about and just understand it and, uh, you know, and yeah, make peace with it, I guess. Right. Right. Well, there are many on, uh, non rennet uh, cheeses, but mm -hmm. they're yeah. not as good. Well, I mean, there's yes. there's a thistle rennet cheese, the Portuguese cheeses that I that I also there's there's variables there. But I, I do have a question I want to throw at Joe. Joe, since you spent a lot of time with Adam, um, would you ever compete in CMI? <laughs> well, like, would you would you ever get to that level of uh, cheese culture? I mean, when I was conceptualizing the book and figuring out how it was going to work and all, you know, the the question came up. 
in, at least for me, I'm like, ooh, what if I, uh, what if that's, you know, a culmination point is that I compete in CMI eventually. The Rocky and, story of cheese? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> is that yeah, what you're saying, basically? Running up the steps. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. So I thought about it a lot, but uh, ultimately didn't do it. As for whether I could, I think it would be fun to do. And I have got a little experience uh, of working in a cheese shop. Uh, that didn't make it into the book, but I, I published a, not quite an excerpt, but like a, uh, you know, like a leftover material thing Um uh, just like a little essay about my time working. I worked at Brooklyn Larder for a couple shifts. Oh. And uh, so I have monged before. I have done how, it. How was that? for? Did you do a full eight hours? Was it or 10 hours? What was, what was um, that like? I did uh, two between six and eight hour shifts. And okay. at first I was just like, I didn't want to uh, deal with customers at all. Uh, just because I, I knew I wasn't ready. And so I was just kind of standing off to the side observing and stuff. And then when a customer would come over, if nobody else was around, I, I would walk away so that oh they, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be confused. And then someone who worked there saw me do that. And they were like, you can't do that. <laughs> you just tell yeah. them, I'll go find someone. That's it. Right, um, right. The retail no-no. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. There's, uh, you know, not to you know give away how everything works, but yeah, there's like a little card with information on it that you can only behind the counter see the information so yeah, no, that, have, that's the quintessential yeah. cheesemonger. I mean, people study, of course, like you're saying, but mm-hmm. you, the, the quick, you know, you can't know every cheese. I mean, you can try, well, but it's hard. And, so, yeah. And, yeah. And you need to study and you need to have knowledge about a whole ton of cheeses because even with that information on the card, you can't just like read it off robotically and expect to be able to get the job done. I mean, you know, you're no one's going to be have their like cheese buying temperature on high and interact with you and anything you say, make them not want to buy cheese, but you, you know, you can put them off a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, it's you, you, you should know what you're doing before. Cause like I was just reading those cards and um, I was maybe four or five months into research at that point. So I knew a good deal, but like I just hadn't worked with cheeses before and it was exciting when I could lead them down a decision tree, you know, uh, do you, why don't you, do you like sheep cheeses? Yes. Okay. How about this one? You know, things like that. When, if I could lead them in a direction and, and bring them to a cheese that they really enjoyed, it was fun. It was like kind of exciting. Um, I, 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 you know, blew it a couple times by not being that good. <laughs> and uh, them no- them noticing I didn't know what I was talking about. One person called out, like, are you just reading from the back of that card? Oh, my and, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, could you just not ask me? Like, come on, just let this be a little tiny awkward moment. You'll have to make it worse. Oh, my God. But, you um, failed as their cheese therapist in the moment. Yeah. In, the, in that moment. Oh, no. Here's, I, another, here's mm-hmm. another excellent quote from the book. The cheese world is made up of misfits, rebels, rogues, and romantics venturing forth from all corners of the country, leaving their their lives behind to work with something tactile and tasty that they truly love. Yeah, 
I, uh, I met people who had previous careers, you know, yeah. uh, so many people who took a left turn somewhere and were and decided, you know, I'm not just, I'm not going to be a psychologist anymore. I'm going to work on a farm or I'm not well, going to be a lit agent anymore. I'm going to, you know, run a, 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 a creamery. I am a psychologist. That, that's that? the side hustle. I love that, Diane. That's your side hustle. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have had that in the back of my head, but that was an intentional. <laughs> um, that, that is my original position, but I've gotten into cheese extensively uh, uh, through the years. Mm-hmm. I worked at Murray's for five years. Yeah. Actually, only oh, sorry, you go first, Diane. One day a week. Yeah. Did you I, overlap with like was this the around the uh Liz Thorpe years or Yes, yes. Okay. Um many of her years uh I though I think she left before I did. Okay. Um I was in the old store across the street. So I started in 02 maybe. And then we moved across the street to the big store, but it wasn't as big as it got. And I worked with Kara. <laughs> that, that is where I first met Diane in my, oh, my okay. baby monger years. Um, <laughs> uh, a curious question, Joe, have you been to Fancy Food Show yet? With all this yes. cheese knowledge that you have now started uh, to have? Uh, and what was that like since now you know more about the industry? I went to the fancy food show in uh, winter of 2019. Uh, there is right. a part in the book when I go to the, the San Francisco Cheesemonger Invitational. And that trip I took, that overlapped with going to the fancy food show. Right. Um, right. And I just, I wanted to put it in the book. Um, but that was something I thought was going to hit you know, uh, cheese heads in the industry only. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my experience there was uh, deeply uninteresting. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if you were plugged in more than I was at that point, or if you have business there, you know, interesting things happen. But uh, in terms of where I was, and I, I didn't quite know how I could make that translate to a lay reader, uh, Mm -hmm. how important a a part of the cheese calendar year fancy food show is. And nothing of note happened for me while there. So it just didn't really make it in. But my general impressions, I don't want to like trash it. It was just that, you know, I was like (laughs) walking around, sampling some cheeses, because uh, there's a lot a couple of people I know and said hi. Yeah. I met David Gremmels the first time there, actually. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if you had met him in, in real life. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, over the course of researching the book, I hung out with him. And I, I made a trip to, to Oregon uh, for the Oregon Cheese Festival. And so we spent some time together then. And then when I was finally at Cheese and Bra, I saw him there. Um but before all that, I, uh, I saw him holding court briefly at uh, the fancy food show and went over and introduced myself. And that was, you know, a nice thing about it is just that, you know, um, if you know who the, the, the players are in this world, it's, you know, 
interesting to have an occasion where there's so many uh, in the same place. You can walk around and maybe bump into whoever. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to take a break. We're taking a break slow. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's take a break and we'll be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Okay, I'm back with Joe Berkowitz uh, discussing his book, uh, American Cheese, an Indulgent Odyssey Through the Artisan Cheese World. Hello, Joe, back at it. Indeed. Okay, so, ah. Uh, um, so I understand that when you try to meet the witches, which is the women in cheese group, mm -hmm. Elena wouldn't let you meet us. It wasn't so much that she wouldn't let me. It was that <laughs> I am an over observer of social dynamics. And I sort of got the sense that were I to ask, she would either... Uh, out of politeness, like, let me possibly tag along, maybe, but that I wouldn't be that welcome a presence there or just that, you know, it would be a little awkward or something. So I just right. didn't ask. Right. It seemed like, it seemed like, you know, that women and cheese wanted to hang out and socialize and it yeah. wasn't going to be a big edu educational moment for me. So I figure yeah. let's leave well enough alone and not ask. <laughs> Oh, okay. I didn't realize you didn't ask. I thought she may have said no. Oh, no. Uh, she was super nice. We we had like a, a nice long conversation and I bumped into her several times and she always uh, made time to chat with me. But um, I just, what the way she described it, uh, it didn't seem, it, it made perfect sense. I was looking for a cheese club, like there are wine tasting clubs that where people mm -hmm. get together and taste a bunch of cheeses and talk about them and try to like further their knowledge and just flex those kinds of tasting and naming flavors type muscles. 
whereas she described this as instead of that, it's people who have done that all day, every day for their lives, and they're going to just hang out together and chat right. and just kind of right. right. not talk about the exactly okay, what I wanted to talk about. But you Is, did find a, a group at the National History Museum. That and was an amazing stroke of luck. Uh, that <laughs> and how was, long yeah. did you belong to that group? Well, um, it's not like a group that I could join uh, with that. What it was, was um, I was, uh, I went to Adam Moskowitz's Barnyard Collective gathering every month. And mm -hmm. I took a ton of notes and I talked to a bunch of people and I had a lot to drink and I ate a lot of cheese. It was grand old time. And uh, one of the things I asked like everybody who I met there just about was, do you know of any cheese tasting clubs? And everyone said no. And one time someone, I didn't even catch this at the time. I, I just scribbled down notes that someone mentioned there was a, a cheese tasting club at the Natural History Museum. And I didn't discover it again. I think I might have had too many beers that night, but I didn't discover it again until <laughs> like a month or two later. I was looking back at my notes and I saw I had scribbled down something about the History Museum Cheese Club. And I, you know, my 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 attention shot straight up. And uh, so, yeah, I, I contacted uh, Natural History Museum and I just said, I, I heard there's a rumor that you have a cheese club and they do. <laughs> And it's not like a big formal thing that you can join necessarily. It's just the people uh, who work in uh, like a bunch of fossil experts, I believe. Um, they have been meeting uh, monthly, having this like big cheese gathering uh, for years. And I don't know, something about the idea sounded fascinating to me. And they let me come and hang out. And as I did, I was just making the connection with how they had anthropological interest in cheese and it seemed like there was some overlap between their job and the way they approached food because of it. They were all advent adventurous eaters. And when they uh -huh. went on these trips for the museum, they would be excited to try to find the weirdest cheese they could in whatever area they were in. And yeah. it also reminded me of, you know, what Adam Moskowitz does and what other uh, cheese importers do where they like, you know, they're, Wherever they are in the world, they're kind of looking around like, what kind of cheese could I possibly import? And so making that connection, I just thought I had to be in the book. And um, I noticed you said you needed to be less like a paleontologist and more like an animal wrangler. Mm -hmm. something, <laughs> because it was something alive. Yeah, yeah. I... I uh, wanted to uh, kind of, uh, I, I guess, tame the beast by getting to know it better, just really uh, immersing myself in uh, the present, rather being less, instead of being less studious, just kind of having more fun with it and mm -hmm. just getting firsthand knowledge whenever possible instead of, you know, reading so many books. I read a lot of cheese books at first. Now, I also want to embarrass you by saying that you... Uh -oh. Both your wife and you wore cheese clothes to Madame Fromage's party in Philly. Um, what was that like? She's also known as Tanaya Darlington and, mm -hmm. and is a good friend. 
But um, what was that like showing up at with the cheese clothes? It was embarrassing at first, but after a while, it was like uh, being a, a popular guy in high school because, you know, everyone who saw me was kind of delighted. And so, oh, and then there was one other. Oh, I should back up a bit and explain what happened. Um, so uh, I had just met uh, Tanaya, Madame Fromage, and... Um, uh, online and she was having this huge party, the cheese ball. And mm. I was excited to go to it. I was pretty early on into my research and the idea of going to a big cheese party was amazing to me. Cause I hadn't, uh, I'd, I'd been to the cheesemonger invitational once before, but that was about it in terms of events. And this was a different sort of thing. So, um, I looked it up online and on her website, uh, it showed a bit about years past what the, the party was like. And one of the first pictures is just uh, someone's wearing a baby bell costume and someone's decked out like Chester Cheetah. And so I was uh, excited to realize like, oh, it's a, it's a costume party because it's right around, uh, it was early November. So it's just after Halloween. So yeah, so uh, I was excited when I heard that this uh it was a costume party because uh, my wife and I had recently been to uh, Berlin and Munich uh, for Oktoberfest and had picked up a lederhosen and dirndl. And we'd, you know, it was fairly expensive. We wanted to get a bang for our buck. And we so we wore them for Halloween. And then we were a little sad because, like, when are you going to get an opportunity to wear these again? Not next <laughs> Halloween because that'll be two in a row. And then uh, here we are with this opportunity and later hosen seemed vaguely cheese related. So, uh, so yeah, we went and we got there and immediately I realized it wasn't a costume party. And, uh, <laughs> my wife was like, we can just go in. It'll be fine. And I'm like, well, of course it'll be fine for you. You look amazing. I look like my, my knees are out. I look like a dork. And, uh, there happened to be one other guy wearing the exact same later hosen as me as like a weird coincidence. And, uh, but everyone, yeah, they seemed pretty happy to see me and it ended up being not that big of a deal. It was a, it was a very fun night. Um, I have a question about Cheeselandia. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I have never been to Cheeselandia. When, when did you go and where, how, how advanced were you in your cheese training and was it boring or was it good? Well, I was about uh, probably six months, I think, into my research at that point. It was in March uh, or, yeah, I think March of 2019. Okay. Uh, it was a bit of a struggle in that I whew, I flew into Austin for just that event one day and flew home to back to Brooklyn that night. And then uh, a day and a half later, flew to Oregon for that cheese festival. That's um, the life of a, of a cheese author, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, it was a little, uh, it wasn't boring, but it was just such an odd experience to see people, uh, the different kinds of reactions. I was mainly there because at that point I'd been to a handful of cheese events, like I just said, like Madame Fromage's thing and, I, and uh, the Cheesemonger Invitational and things like that. So I'd been to so many events 
where there's all this great cheese and people who know about it are eating it and talking about it. I had never been to anything where there was a bunch of, you know, all this great cheese and random people who are hungry uh, and in the middle of a weird tech conference uh, happen to come in and eat. And so it was fascinating because some people got did had the exact reaction that the uh, Wisconsin dairy farmers um, are going for with that, which is they were genuinely curious and they wanted to know more. They, they were like, wow, this is really good. Uh, they make this in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. And, you know, that's exactly what they hope for. A bunch of other people were just there and it was just their next free food thing of the day. And, uh, and they were, and I was at a point in my research where I had respect for cheese because I knew what went into making it. And I knew some of the people who were making it. So, um, like I, I, this is in the book, but yeah, somebody like tastes a piece of Pleasant Ridge and, and he's like, oh, this is pretty good. I'm like, pretty good. Like, this is great. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't, you have no idea how good this is. Uh, so that's where I was. It, it was, a, it was a fun event, but it was just such an odd collision of worlds. Uh, uh-huh. the people like just this weird, like in the book. yeah, I, yeah. And I was thankful for that because it gave me something to write about. Now, why do you want? Andy Hatch to be your dad? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great question, Diane. Uh, I, I'm okay. Let's hear this answer. Here we go, Joe. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's like a year younger than me, or we're oh. the same age. We're about the same age, some, close to each other. But uh, I, I have that as a quote in there, just because he is, from my observation, a, uh, a very good father, and every year for his uh, kids' birthdays. He makes an enormous wheel of uh, Pleasant Ridge. Uh, like it's big enough that it could serve as a flotation device in the event of an unlikely emergency uh, on a, <laughs> a plane. And when he showed me that, I was ju- I was just kind of like, oh wow! Like my childhood was even more lacking than I previously thought because uh, I I didn't have a dad like this. So that's it. I I, I don't seriously, uh, I'm not going to send him adoption papers uh, okay, just good. yet. Because he probably doesn't want you to join his family, probably. I mean, I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, I think he has his hands full and I would only complicate things. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I guess that's it. Uh, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Uh, this whole time, um, your book is is unique in that um, I really have never seen a study of cheese like like your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's why I, I, I said at the beginning. It, part of my pitch was, what if there was a book about cheese from the point of view of someone who doesn't know anything about it and mm-hmm. learns because. Uh, there are so many books about cheese that, I mean, you know, they, uh, and, and this is how a subject should be most of the time, but they're written by people who have achieved a certain uh, notoriety in the field and they have a lot of specialized knowledge. And mm-hmm. here's my take on cheese. Here's what you should know, depending on what level you are. And yeah, the, and the, those, it's good that those books exist, of course, but I thought there's room 
for uh, something a little different, something, you know, kind of playful and, and a bit silly. Now, and, I uh, have a question. Sure. I have a question. Did you get paid for your research? Well, you know, I got a book advance and oh, okay. I was spending that. I, I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on travel and uh, on cheese and on other stuff. Um, so, you know, uh, I, 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 I mean, I was I got paid and I used that money. I like look at it as investing and making it a better book. But, you know, some people will get uh, they'll get a book advance to write a book of essays and they don't have to go anywhere or eat any cheese <laughs> and they get to just keep all that money. And uh, okay. But they get to I miss out. On, yeah, they I'm, I'm happy with I mean, I don't think I ever would have gone to cheese and bra. Oh. I don't think I would have ever gone to uh, Gruyere in Switzerland and seen the cows come, like at the end of Transhumance. That right. was a right. once in a lifetime experience. And uh, even though, you know, I mean, I, I paid for it uh, myself with my advance. I'm so glad that I had occasion to do that. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I will never forget those trips I took. Oh, good, good. I, that's what I figured. Um, I forgot about advances. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that tricky, tricky solution there. It's it's yeah. helpful with everything. Um, I have one one other follow up. So does this mean your wash shrine game is better now, Joe? Because I remember in the book you were like, it's very hard for me to he- eat a wash shrine cheese. Oh, I wanted that question answered too. How, is it more tolerable now for you? Well, I was always at a place of tolerance, and I wanted to get from there to actually, you know, really enjoying it. And I think where I am now is um, there, there are wash rinds that I, I love and that's it, uh, case closed. And there are <laughs> some that are too much for me and I prefer mm-hmm. not to have them. But I think when it comes to uh, approaching that, like the, the middle to higher level um, – with those, as long as I'm cutting it with something, as long as maybe there's like some honey or just, yeah, something sweet in the mix that dulls it down, then that's like this new uh, frequency that I can get on that I just didn't really uh, know bef- to do before when I was uh, at the stage that I described in the book about just kind of being, preferring not to to, to mess with uh, wash rinds that much. Plus, I didn't know that, like, I didn't know Telegio, which I always liked. I didn't even know that right. was a wash drying. My, you know, my, uh, as soon as you start to know a little bit about cheese, it affects everything else, you know. And um, so, yeah, it was a constantly evolving thing. Uh, my wife was kind of a wash drying hater who has, <laughs> con- she's like at a detente with it now, I guess. But for me, I started off with a, well, I'll eat it. I just don't like it, and I don't understand how people are like, oh, yeah, the stinkier the better. And also I didn't understand that, like, it took me a while to learn that people prefer you don't say stinky, that they say, like, you say, like, this is a potent cheese or something like that. Uh, this is barnyardy. I, I, yeah. Yeah, this is barnyardy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to do that. I'd be like, what's your favorite stinky cheese? And I think I append- offended someone. be like, um, 
it doesn't stink to me. You know, and I was like, oh, oh okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruffle your feathers. Um, oh. Diane, I was going to say, take it away. I was gonna, Joe, I wish you luck on your cheese adventures and, 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 yeah. and your continual research, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, an ongo- it's a work in progress. I mean, I'm still, I just got back from the cheese shop uh, immediately before this call. Oh, good. What'd you buy? I got some Hollerhocker and I got some Montgomery's cheddar. And I got, uh, they actually had Gruyere del Page, which was. Where did you go? France 44. uh, I live in Minneapolis now. Oh, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I actually met the the guy who who runs the place. Uh, His name's Benjamin Roberts. Uh, I met him when I was in uh, in Gruyere um, for the, for uh, the DeSalp. And oh, cool. uh, when I moved to Minneapolis, he uh, we recognized each other, and uh, and now we're you know pals. And uh, yeah, I just popped in the shop and grabbed a bunch of things. Ah, now why did you move to Minneapolis? Um, well, a bunch of complicated factors, but it was uh, provoked by by. <laughs> This pandemic we're still in. <laughs> oh, like like uh, all things, Diane. Everyone moves yeah. around. It's oh, the cheese yeah. universe is all upside down now. We don't know where it's, anybody yeah. is. Um, <laughs> That's true. That's um, uh, so should we should we bid? House. What was everybody's that, Diane? Sorry, you go ahead. Everybody's in their house. That's right. Yeah. We're all <laughs> we're all working remotely. It's terrible. And eating cheese though. I feel like we're yeah. eating cheese while working remotely. So if um, you ever need to find me, I am in my house eating cheese. That's it. We're all squirreling away with it. Um, all right. Diane, do you want to close out the episode? And, and I just want to say again, thank you, Joe, for, for coming on. Well, hey, thanks thank for you. having me. Also, thank this you, Joe been, uh, yeah. Berkowitz, uh, whose book is called American Cheese, an Indulgent Odyssey Through the Artisan Cheese World. And I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed it too. I thought about it a lot uh, when I was listening to this podcast all the time. I was like, eventually, I bet I'll probably end up going on there. And so I'm glad glad it's happened. It's done. It's done. All right, listeners, please follow us at Cutting the Curd. Please follow Joe at Joe Berkowitz. Uh, Joe is the first name, but Berkowitz is B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. And I hope you all eat more cheese and have a great evening. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.